Welcome to the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. We were approached by Brazilian scientists who said, you know, we love Google Maps, we love Google Earth, but what we really need is to deal with the fact that we're losing a million acres a year of Amazon rainforest. It's happening typically illegally in parts of the forest where there's not good law enforcement on the ground. However, there's daily satellite imagery that is free, public domain, that we could build a virtual alerting system. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. In India, music, literature, and cultural mythology overflow with references to monsoon season and imagery of rain meeting scorched earth. The monsoon is so significant to the rhythm of life that a late arrival of rainfall or variations in its quantity can result in flooding or drought. More reliable forecasting could help farmers and communities to better prepare each year. Ancient legend has it that the first appearance of a small migratory bird called the pied cuckoo, or rainbird, signals the beginning of monsoon season. Scientists and bird watchers alike have tried to track the migratory patterns of the pied cuckoo to compare it with rainfall patterns. But the cuckoo travels thousands of miles, making it a challenge to gather data to prove whether or not the bird's association with the monsoon is myth or empirical fact. That is, until new digital tools emerge that enable amateur bird watchers and professional scientists to work together across vast distances to report and track sightings of the pied cuckoo all over India and Africa. Guess what? They proved the legend is true. New democratized access to powerful analytical and mapping tools is transforming our understanding of the natural world, and with it, our ability to meaningfully conserve, protect, and restore our collective home, the biosphere. In this program, we explore the boundless possibilities of digital maps and platforms with Rebecca Moore, visionary founder of Google Earth Outreach and Google Engine. This is radical transparency, mapping the planet from the ground to the cloud. I'm Neil Harvey, I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. talk about Earth's vital signs and think about it. When you go to the doctor, you can get your heart function measured, your lungs, your brain, all these things. You can get all kinds of tests done. But what about the planet? What about the Amazon that produces the oxygen that we breathe or all the river systems of the world that are like the bloodstream? Where can we all go and know how healthy are those critical systems of our Earth? It has been basically nowhere. So if there's ever been the moment to harness technology and service of planetary health, this is it, right? 
Rebecca Moore is the creator of Google Earth Engine, and she's one of the driving forces behind some of the most inspiring and strategic uses of cutting-edge technology. As an engineer and computer scientist, she dreamed up and directs the Google Earth Outreach Program. The program has supported nonprofits, communities, and indigenous peoples around the world to apply state-of-the-art mapping tools to help solve some of our most urgent crises. However, it's not just breakthrough science that's changing the game. The real development is how it's enabling profound stories to be told in ways that compel and inspire action as never before. Rebecca Moore's dream is for Google Earth Engine to become a digital dashboard for planetary health. Rebecca Moore spoke at a Bioneers conference. We launched a new version of Google Earth. We realize the heart of it is storytelling, tying the issues and the concerns and the dreams and the solutions and the challenges and all of that to the land. And we've invented this new digital magazine of the planet we call Voyager. If you take a look at Google Earth, it's on web, Android, and iOS. And every week, we're updating it with stories. And as you can see, there's a bit of an environmental bent. Nature stories, stories about climate change. We're trying to uh, educate the world about the world, things they need to know. Yeah. There's fun stuff in there. This is my current personal favorite Voyager story, is the brown bears of Katmai National Park. So we're putting live nature cams in here, like bird cams and so on, so you can see what's going on right now. You know, we want to bring the world alive, this digital, dynamic planet, this beautiful place that we live, have everybody understand and be able to celebrate it. Scientists from institutions around the world are in fact measuring these exact planetary functions. Tools such as eddy flux towers, which allow precise measurements of carbon dioxide and oxygen, have proven the role of the Amazon rainforest as the lungs of the planet. But if facts and good science were all that were required to compel action, we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in today. Rebecca Moore is leading a groundbreaking effort to leverage technological innovation to provide a storytelling scaffold which can help turn planetary science into planetary action. We were approached by Brazilian scientists who said, you know, we love Google Maps, we love Google Earth, but what we really need is to deal with the fact that we're losing a million acres a year of Amazon rainforest. It's happening typically illegally in parts of the forest where there's not good law enforcement on the ground. However, there's daily satellite imagery that is free, public domain, that we could build a virtual alerting system. We can use science to detect the change. We could alert people. But the problem is it's like petabytes of data. Most people don't even know what that is. It's billions of megabytes of data if you're going to try to manage all that satellite imagery. And if you try to then do the analysis, it takes weeks on a single computer. And they said, so we're stuck. It's so tempting. We could do it, but we need scale. So that's when Google Earth Engine was conceived in the Brazilian Amazon. Because we do have a few computers at Google. Uh, and you know they're running YouTube and Gmail and Search and so on. Well, why not have them run an environmental analytical engine for the planet? Yeah. So that's, that's Google Earth Engine, an environmental, planetary-scale engine to help us understand, map, measure, and monitor what's going on on Earth. 
This kind of data has been especially powerful for many indigenous communities around the world. In 2003, the chief of one of the four clans of the Pater Surui tribe in the Amazon came across Google Earth in an internet cafe. Chief Almir Nariamoga Surui looked at Surui territory and realized there was a huge amount of illegal logging that he didn't know about. In partnership with Google Earth and Rebecca Moore, his tribe mapped every inch of its territory. Now, tribal members download images monthly from Global Forest Watch that they share with the authorities and with environmental and human rights groups. The Surui tribe has successfully curbed illegal logging and mining on their land, and that's not all. They became the first indigenous tribe to sell carbon offsets, and it's brought millions of dollars into the tribe. And they've applied it for reforestation projects. And I have visited them over a period now of almost 10 years. And when I first visited, it was somewhat sad because so much deforestation had happened. And they were planting these little saplings. And I was like, this is never going to amount to anything. I didn't understand how the Amazon works. Coming back like last year, they're huge, towering, laden with fruit and nuts. He was serving us. It was so amazing to see the recovery of the forest and animals coming back and the Quilombola community. These are descendants of escaped slaves in Brazil, African in origin, and they have struggled, even though they've lived on this land for maybe hundreds of years, many generations, they don't have official land rights. And through the mapping tools, they have now sort of established a history of occupation and use of the land. And certain things with the maps gave the Brazilian government confidence to grant them permanent land tenure. So they now own this land that they've been trying to get for more than two decades. Rebecca Moore sees that tools such as globalforestwatch.org are actually helping stop destruction in its tracks of both nature and communities. It's a cat and mouse game. The people that are doing in some cases, the illegal logging. They used to log during the dry season because that was more convenient for their trucks and so on, but now they know they can be seen from space, so they're logging during the rainy season. They used to be able to get away with that, but now there's radar. (laughs) And we bring all the radar data into Earth Engine, and this group, Instituto Socioambiental in Brazil, developed a radar-based algorithm, and they saw this line developing of change in the heart of the Amazon, not near any roads. They're like, is this a bug in what we built, or is there something really there? Finally, they sent a plane. Yes. It was an illegal mining operation. They got it shut down immediately, law enforcement, and so on and so on. So. What's also exciting is then the follow-on knowledge that can come. So 90% or so of the endangered species of the world are forest-dependent. So if you want to stop species extinction, just protect the forests, right? It's not complicated. This fantastic scientific study was done, and this is where we talk about mapping solutions, that determined if we just preserve the existing intact tiger habitat on the planet, not only can we stop loss of tigers, we could double the global tiger population by 2022. So it's a recipe for conservation, yeah. 
The famous primatologist Jane Goodall used Google Earth successfully in her fight to protect the Gombe National Park in Tanzania, home to the chimpanzees that she's worked with for decades. And because it's a national park, there's no logging allowed. So that's fine. There's no deforestation. But exactly right at the border of that park with the outside land, suddenly all this deforestation is done. And the slopes are very steep there. And there was a large storm. And where the forest was on the slope, there was no landslide. And just right next to it, where the forest had been cut, there was terrible landslide. Like 14 villagers were killed because their village was buried. And you could see all this in Google Earth, right? You could see the steepness of the land. And it just jumped out at you that it was probably a dumb idea that they had logged that steep slope and that, yes, that is probably what led to there being a landslide there and not right next to it. And she brought that, you know, Google Earth, she showed that to the president of Tanzania and advocated for there being a new law to ban logging on steep slopes. And it got passed. Around 20% of the seafood we eat is caught illegally or unsustainably in some way. Yet our oceans make up a global commons that no nation controls on its own. What if a technical tool could monitor the high seas and spotlight operations that are breaking international law or using unsustainable fishing practices? Two nonprofits, Oceana and SkyTruth, worked closely with Rebecca and her team to build just such a tool, Global Fishing Watch. And it's bringing in all the data on all these vessels who are beaming their position for maritime safety, but now it can be used to manage and understand how we can fish sustainably. Because fisheries are collapsing, but it's well known that if we could just conserve and fish a little more intelligently, the oceans could be abundant for generations to come. So we just need to be smarter with this, yeah. You can, you can see the tracks of individual vessels. Uh, you can determine using AI, are they trawling? Are they longlining? Are they just transiting? And again, you might say, oh, are we invading their privacy? Well, think about the balance between how the global commons of the ocean has been so systematically abused. So it seems a small concession that you would let your position be known in exchange for ensuring that we're fishing sustainably. Seeing is believing. When decision makers and citizens can actually see these environmental crimes in progress, it can change the game. The island nation of Kiribati suspected that there was illegal fishing in an area that they were protecting, but it had no proof until Global Fishing Watch provided visual evidence of a vessel doing just that. The government of Kiribati impounded the vessel, but the captain said, you have no proof that we, yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is critical for these small island nations. They don't have the US Navy. They have maybe thousands of islands. How are they going to protect their waters? 
This is a way to virtually ensure that these protected areas are truly protected. They're not just paper parks. The fine, by the way, they, the captain said, we'd like to move to settlement discussion once the proof was given to them, resulted in a $2.2 million fine, which is 1% of the country's GDP. Indonesia, seafood is incredibly important for their diet. The Minister of Fisheries, Minister Susi, has now adopted Global Fishing Watch for her government's use. She is quite something, because there's a lot of illegal fishing in Indonesia's waters. If she knows a boat is illegal, she will warn the crew, they get off the boat, and then she blows it up. You do what you gotta do. All right, so there's also a, a very strong science aspect. All this data that we've produced, we're making available openly for scientists, economists, you know, ecologists to study and understand what are these patterns and how do they relate to slave trade or, you know, sustainable fishing and so on. Global Fishing Watch has been phenomenally successful. It supported the creation of numerous monitoring and conservation projects that wouldn't have been possible even a decade earlier. It has also been deployed to monitor marine protected areas, and its use has spread to 189 countries. Can these digital mapping and visualization tools help us chart the course to a different future in a restored world? Scientists, citizen scientists, and global storytellers are only beginning to tap into the boundless potential of new cloud computing and digital mapping technologies. More when we return. This is Radical Transparency, mapping the planet from the ground to the cloud. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. To see Rebecca Moore present Global Fishing Watch and other dynamic visual mapping tools in action, visit bioneers.org mapping. You can also visit bioneers.org to let us know what you think about the program and to find out how to attend the National Bioneers Conference. To reach us by telephone, call one 877 When digital mapping tools are well-designed and used ethically, they bring together technology, data, and human networks to mobilize faster and more effective conservation and restoration of nature and of our human relationship to the biosphere. Along with satellite imagery, 3D terrain mapping provides another level of accuracy and context for groups to better inform their decision-making processes. One of the fundamental things that I see with being able to have people look at this kind of data, not just on an abstract map, but actually on satellite imagery in the 3D terrain and have an immersive sense of reality and context about proposed plans. It engages understanding and compassion and people get emotional, you know, looking at these things. 
But the example was for Global Fishing Watch when the government of Mexico was working with globalfishingwatch.org, the NGO that we're supporting with technology about creating this new marine protected area that is an incredible area for schooling hammerhead sharks and tuna. It's a very, very, very biodiverse part of the ocean. And the local fishing industry said, oh no, if you take that area off limits, you're just going to collapse our entire livelihood. When the Global Fishing Watch data was presented on the ocean, like here is actually where you do fish, and then here's this little tiny area that we are proposing to set aside as this protected area, and it's like less than 4% of where you fish, what could you say? There was nothing more to say. It was so obvious. And so that's what I love about these kind of maps is often I think the debates that are happening and the disagreements are because you don't even have a common understanding of the basic facts. And so people are talking past each other and they're debating things that are not even the real issue. And I believe that when you present a very rich context for, let's say, an environmental issue by looking at it on the map, on a digital thing like Google Earth, then you elevate the discussion. These are the facts. Now we can debate what we're going to do about it. You can have different opinions but we are not going to debate what's reality because we have that. Although Google Earth is one of the big players in digital mapping technologies, the field is growing. Numerous other organizations and platforms are democratizing access to transformational tools. For example, indigenous youth in Canada and New Zealand are connecting with their elders in a new way with what they call direct-to-digital. They interview elders about their culture and land such as where they hold ceremony, gather medicinal plants, or wood for arrows. Then they locate these areas in 3D Google Earth and present the satellite imagery to the elders, creating a bridge between generations to carry on the lineage of ancient knowledge and culture. Cities are learning about their potential for reducing their carbon emissions and optimizing clean energy sources. 10,000 cities around the world have taken a climate action pledge, and now, using Google's digital tools, they have access to crucial and reliable baseline information to make decisions that are grounded in earthly realities. We have amazing 3D data in Google Earth and Google Maps. If you fly into the cityscape of San Francisco or New York, you see these beautiful 3D buildings. Well, what if we could turn that into an understanding of the solar potential of every rooftop in the world? And that's what we've done with Project Sunroof. You can go there, you can enter your own address, you can see the solar potential for your house. But also, we've done it for all these cities. We're looking at London, right? So we know for every 10 centimeter square, for every 10 minute period of every day of the year, what is the solar potential, taking into account shading and everything else. So we have very precise information of the potential for cities, countries to go solar. We packaged that up into a tool that we launched at the One Planet Summit and the Global Climate Action Summit. We called it the Environmental Insights Explorer. San Jose took that data 
and they've become the first city to commit to being a gigawatt solar city. Because they, were, they knew they could be that ambitious because we showed them you could generate 3.4 gigawatts. So one gigawatt seems reasonable. We're giving them the data to increase their level of ambition. Our modern, technologically mediated society increasingly makes us feel as if time is in fast forward. Nature operates on far longer and larger cycles, slow time. One of the more unique contributions that Rebecca Moore has been developing is called Earth Engine Time Lapse. This 32-year animation of the entire planet allows visitors to zoom in anywhere. You can travel to the place you were born and see how your community has changed over three decades. Moore says its creators analyzed five million satellite images containing three quadrillion pixels, ran it in parallel on 66,000 computers, and produced it in a few days. A single computer would have taken 300 years. Different species and planetary processes operate on vastly different time frames. A river's location today may be wholly different than its course centuries ago. If there's one constant in nature, it's change, and it's both fast and slow. To live well in real time, we need good real-time information and the long view. Again, Rebecca Moore. We see the artificial palm islands built off the coast of Dubai suddenly sprouting these artificial islands. You see a meandering river over three decades, and you see as it's meandering to the west, the city that it's meandering into is moving further to the west. It's fascinating. It, it makes you feel how alive the planet actually is. And I have this dream that as people take actions that are healing for the planet, it would light up on Google Earth. So like a school decides to put solar panels on their school, they would get a little green dot, you know, or whatever, and you would start to see some kind of summing of all these actions that are happening around the world and build a kind of a global community watch program for the planet and a global community sense of will and progress we feel we can play a strong role in bringing radical transparency to the choices and decisions and things that are happening on Earth so that no one can kind of be unaware or ignorant or in denial. Ignorance is not bliss in this case. We all need to have our eyes wide open about what's going on and, you know, honestly give the most actionable information to all the people that have any role to play in making decisions or oversight on those decisions, like citizens, so that it's easier to do the right things. Rebecca Moore, Radical Transparency, Mapping the Planet from the Ground to the Cloud. To explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos, visit Bioneers.org. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Osabel. Written by Kenny Osabel. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. 
Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Producer, Teo Grossman. Program engineer and music supervisor, Emily Harris. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest People of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. All royalties from Baca compositions and performances go to the Baca Forest People through the charity Global Music Exchange. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made available by Mark Barrett at markbarrett.com. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. This is program number 0418.